My message today is entitled, What Are You Waiting For? As we continue to build on the momentum of what God is doing in this area, it's important not to be caught up too much in the great many distractions around us. There are many things in this world that are constantly fighting for our attention, trying to pull us off course from our goal of advancing the gospel message in the world today. And while many of the distractions that are competing for our attention are often centered on entertainment and politics and just basic busyness, there's one other distraction that God strictly warns against throughout the Bible. I'm going to begin in Proverbs 26.13. It says, The lazy man says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. How many know that laziness can cause us to use fear as excuse? If the excuse is not enough, we're tempted to add a few more details to justify why we can't possibly go out there and do the Lord's work. Yet the truth is that all of us have been bitten by the lazy bug at one time or another. We've all given in to fear at times and tried to justify why we're not doing the Lord's work as faithfully as He's called us to do. Now don't, don't get me wrong. Laziness has nothing to do with taking breaks and getting well-needed rest at times. It also has nothing to do with the physical ailments that limit our activity. Yet God asks us to be aware of this temptation so that we are able to continue His work in this earth and all the more as we see the day approaching of Jesus' return. Proverbs 26, verse 14, As a door turns on its hinges so does the lazy man on his bed. In other words, one who is lazy moves back and forth and sometimes being startled and sometimes being awakened, but never really moving far from being at rest. He may talk a good game and he may say he's going to do something or voice support or disagreement, but never actually move into action. We need to be very careful that that, this is not us. It's so easy on social media to write and share powerful posts but not back it up with tangible action. Many people feel that the full extent of their evangelism is to post Christian sayings and messages on Facebook with the goal of gaining likes to a post. And while this is one way to spread truth and inspiration, it can't end there. It can't cause us to think that we're changing the world because people liked our posts. God never said, go into the world and make friends on Facebook. At least not in my version, He didn't say that. This is what He said. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. Now in this passage, the word observe, it's not the passive definition of watching something happen. 
It means to take part in it, to faithfully fulfill an obligation, a duty, a calling. Listen, as members of the body of Christ, we have been called to advance the cause of Jesus Christ in this world. This takes action. Proverbs 26, verse 15. The lazy man buries his head in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. You see, one who has given into laziness makes excuses and fails to follow through even on basic tasks by relying on his own strength and his own motivation. This is a temptation that can easily affect every one of us. Certainly there are times when we need a break and we need time to rest. There are also times in our lives when we go through seasons and we are in need of being restored and in need of healing in our hearts and in our lives. But when we have taken the time to be restored by the Lord, then God calls us, all of us, in our own ways to continue in His work caring for brothers and sisters who are generally concerned for one another. And this is backed up by action. Laziness should not prevent us from reaching out to people, calling them on the phone, visiting them, praying with them, interceding for them, and taking the time to write an encouraging letter and actually put it in that thing called a mailbox. No matter how advanced technology gets with emails and texts and instant messaging, nothing will ever replace the power of a handwritten letter that one receives through the mail or given in person. Do you know what I mean? Proverbs 26, verse 16. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. One who is lazy is not moved by any logic of his own, other than his own. The most dangerous part about laziness is when people believe that their problem is procrastination. Procrastination may be one of the ways that it's manifesting, but it's not the root of the, or the cause. When procrastination becomes a problem, it's because we haven't fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We haven't truly allowed Him to speak to us at any time about anything. When we do not give the Holy Spirit a full access pass, we are not and cannot be empowered by the Spirit of God in our lives. One of the greatest misunderstandings, I believe, among Christians today is the idea that we do things for God out of a desire or motivation or lack thereof. Yet the Bible is clear that it's not our desire or our striving that gets things done in the kingdom of God, which comes to our memory verse for today, Zechariah 4.6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's only by the Spirit that we come together and begin the things of God and persevere through the things of God and finish the things of God. Therefore, the longer that we keep saying, I have a problem with procrastination, the longer that we will be forever beating the air and never conquering our problem. The way that we destroy procrastination is to begin being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? 
Well, first of all, we need to approach the Holy Spirit as an equal part of the Trinity, a full and complete aspect of our triune God. 1 John 5.7 tells us there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. The Father is God, the Word is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead that not only indwells believers, but empowers us to live victorious lives. The Holy Spirit deserves as much attention as God the Father and Jesus the Son because these three are one. Yet most people have underestimated the Holy Spirit's influence by editing His job description. Because truth and solid biblical teaching are often lacking these days, many people have minimized the Holy Spirit's role down to one of basic conviction saying that the Holy Spirit's job is merely to convict us if we're doing something wrong. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been relegated to nothing more than a conscience that we can choose to listen to or to ignore. In fact, many people view the Holy Spirit as merely our own personal Jiminy Cricket. Do you remember that talking cricket in Pinocchio? After Geppetto built Pinocchio and the Blue Fairy gave him life, Pinocchio was given the opportunity to live life as a wooden boy. And to keep him on the straight and narrow, he was given Jiminy Cricket, who was said to be Pinocchio's conscience. Jiminy would warn him of danger and show him the path to walk on. However, because he was so small, he became like an annoying sound in Pinocchio's ear, a sound which Pinocchio quickly learned to ignore and dismiss as he went on in search of following his own desires. And while the Disney movie added a happy ending to the story, the original Pinocchio had a very different ending. In the original voice, Pinocchio was tired of listening to the voice and he went on living on his own. And as he became tired of following, the, following his path in life, he came and sat down next to a stove and put his feet up to dry. And his feet eventually turned to ashes and burnt. There are consequences as when we block out the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like many of the original tales, they give a, a more realistic ending. And so that's, we need to make sure that we don't equate the Holy Spirit to just a mere conscience that speaks into our, our lives. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a who. He is God eternal living inside of you, continually pursuing His mission to make you become more like Jesus Christ every day. And I don't know about you, but I have a long way to go. It's a high task that we ask God to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. How does He do this? Well, the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart. He invades your thoughts. He keeps you up at night. He wrestles with your mind. He is relentless. So many times we use these words to only describe the enemy who tempts us constantly. But the Holy Spirit is way more powerful than the devil. If we give God His due and yield to the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we seek to understand Him and we learn to know His voice and be sensitive to His promptings. The Holy Spirit's job is to complete the work that God began in each one of us. But this can only happen if we're submitted to Him. If we misidentify the Holy Spirit's conviction as merely a guilty conscience, 
we can too easily just ignore it and keep on sinning. Yet when you understand that conviction is God Himself speaking directly and personally to you and your situation, it changes the game. While many deny that they are anything like Pinocchio, we best take an honest assessment of ourselves so that we don't face a not-so-happy ending. For when we do not fully surrender to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life, when we don't give Him a full access pass to speak to us about anything, on any situation, at any time, we are literally killing the influence that He has in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit does way more than just give us a basic conviction when we stray. When we are tempted to sin, or even after we've started to sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us as believers to stop, to repent, to do an about-face and to turn to God. But it's the type of conviction that most believers don't understand about the Holy Spirit. It's not a mere conviction that says sin is wrong, you better stop. Any Jiminy the Cricket conscience can tell you that. And it can so easily be ignored and blown off. A Holy Spirit-led conviction is much stronger and more powerful and it only comes to believers who are truly seeking God with all their hearts. It is the conviction that God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, is in you. He is with you. He has chosen to make His living and dwelling inside each one of us. Therefore, we must, because we know He's living inside of us, he convicts us that He's there and He says, don't bring me into this situation. Don't bring me into this sin. Even though it's your choice, I'm going in there, don't do that. That's the, the, spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we have. It's not the basic sin conviction, but rather the Emmanuel conviction. Remember this verse in Matthew 1.23? It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. You see, basic conviction says sin, sin is wrong. But the flesh can override that by trying to justify it in saying things like, it's not that bad. I deserve to enjoy this. I don't feel anything, so it can't be that bad. I'm just going to take one little look. I can't help it. God knows we're all sinners and He knows that we sin. I can't help Him if I'm wired this way. That's our flesh that speaks. The logic of our flesh because of our sinful nature can all too easily override basic conviction. That's why basic conviction is, is just your conscience. But the Bible teaches us that the full power and the truth of the Holy Spirit convicts. John chapter 16, we've been studying this in our men's Bible study. John 16, verse 7, says, Nevertheless, Jesus speaks, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. There are three types of conviction that Jesus talks about here. First of all, in verse 9, He says, of sin, because they do not believe in Me. See, the Holy Spirit must convict each of us of sin so that we realize our need for our Savior. 
Do you understand in a lot of churches right now, they don't talk about sin or conviction or judgment or a lot of the things, the balance of the, the Bible. The goal is not to get bigger numbers in churches to prepare us ready for when Jesus comes back for His bride. And so we need to talk about that. And so as we talk about that and we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, then we are becoming prepared for when Jesus comes back. God bless you. There is only one way to receive forgiveness from our sins and to break from this bondage. It's by acknowledging that we have sinned and that we must, we need to come to Jesus for forgiveness and redemption. He is the only way. But first, we need to be convicted of our sins so that we will come to Him. With the political correctness of the world today, people are often overly concerned about hurting someone else's self-esteem by telling them that they did something wrong. Consequently, the Spirit-led conviction in the Bible is not always being taught as it should be. You know there's a big push about self-esteem, and yet the truth of the matter is we should be talking about self-worth. We all have sinned. We all messed up. We all need Jesus. But thank God that God loved me enough to die for me. It's the self-worth that empowers us to live victoriously. Not keep pumping ourselves up that we could possibly do something wrong. If we're open to the spirit of conviction by the Holy Spirit, then we're open to His redemption and restoration of our lives. John 16, verse 10 He convicts of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You see, the next thing the Holy Spirit does is convicts us of our righteousness. Our our sinful nature continually tries to pervert the truth of God and often tells us that we're okay. You don't need to change anything. You're doing okay. Yet the truth of the matter is that none of us can earn a right standing with God just by the good things we do. We can't balance out our sins with more good deeds or push the scale in our favor. We cannot be righteous on our own. The Bible tells this in Isaiah 64, verse 6, We are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We can't just mix all of our works together and offer them to God as sanctification for our right standing with Him. Because God is perfect, He cannot have any sin in His presence, and therefore our righteousness is tainted with sin that we all have committed. Even if we have more good than bad in us, we still have sins. In other words, if I said, come on down today for our gathering, we're having some food, which we are. But if I said to you, I'm going to make a giant omelet for the whole church, and I've, 200 eggs have been donated, one, and one person only offered a rotten egg with salmonella in it, and I threw it in the mix. But the 100, 199 are still fine. How many of you would eat that omelet? None of us would. And yet, and, and at times we think if we just do more good than bad, we can still offer to God, and God says that none of us are righteous. There's only one way to Jesus. It's to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. John 16:11 Jesus says the Holy Spirit also convicts of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment to say that if we do not choose to come to Jesus to repent of our sins and trust in him as our Lord and Savior, we will be eternally judged. This is what our Bible teaches us. 
Yet judgment is one word that is often not talked about in the modern church today because it is also not politically correct. The truth of the matter is that all of us will stand before God one day. If He were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? You already know that your righteousness will not be accepted. So we only have one answer of why God should let any of us into heaven. And that answer is Jesus. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, I accept Jesus' sacrifice for the atonement of my sins and, my, and by His blood my sins have been washed away. That's how any of us and all of us enter into heaven. Without these convictions of the Holy Spirit of sin and righteousness and judgment, we would not be ready to give this answer. But it is also the fullness of this conviction that keeps us on the narrow path in life, even after we stumble, to keep pursuing the Lord. For the Holy Spirit is also our comforter, our helper, in the Greek, he's called the paraclete, which means he comes alongside of us and he walks with us and he encourages us. And when we fall, and we all do, I fall all the time. He picks us back up and he lovingly welcomes us back on the path as long as we stay open to him to allow him to speak into our lives for whatever he sees fit. He continues to bring truth to us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we understand the Emmanuel conviction that He is with us and desires to live through us, we are open to being endued with power from on high to walk in the full authority of the Spirit. It's time for the church to rise up from its broken down and compromised state and be the true light that God has called us to be. Listen, why do I share messages like this? Because God has called us to prepare the bride, which is us, the body of Christ, to be ready for Jesus' return. He's also given us a task to do out there. It's great to come together and lift up our voices as we have been and feel the power of the Holy Spirit. But we need to continually look at our lives and say, what can I do next, God? Where's my next assignment? Where are you going to send me next? What can I clean up in my life so I can give more of you to the world? that needs you so desperately. Laziness can no longer be an excuse. Procrastination can no longer be part of our vocabulary. We must all choose to listen to the Holy Spirit to give us direction in the darkness of this world. The church today needs the Holy Spirit greater than it ever has needed Him because too many churches and people are only existing in their own power and they don't even know it. One of my favorite theologians, A.W. Tozer, once said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit, however, had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Brothers and sisters, the church is in an age where we must rely on the Holy Spirit to direct our prayers, to grant us discernment, to direct our action, to empower our witness, to increase our faith, to realize the fullness of God's grace, to believe for God to move powerfully in the earth and to convict us of righteousness so that the church can become the redeemed bride of Christ. 
John 16, verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. But if we press into God by the Holy Spirit, He will make the pages of the Bible come alive to us and speak to us so that we know by faith that He is with us through no matter what the world throws at us. But He can only guide us into all truth if we are ready and willing to hear all truth. And whatever we hear from the Spirit, we too must speak. We must share the truth of Jesus. People out there right now are depending on us to share that truth to them. To speak light into the darkness without judgment. They need the body of Christ. It's mankind's only salvation. Last verse, John 16, verse 14. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit always works to glorify the Lord. Therefore, we must respond now. The body of Christ is depending on its members to rise up in the power of the Spirit to advance the kingdom of God. Why do you think what's going on right now is is happening? There is great unity. We see it in Ross Common. There's great unity of God breathing life into the bones of the body and, and to rise up together. To not worry about denominational lines, but to come together in the grace of Jesus, to come together and advance that message to the world. They need us to come together in His love. When we yield to the Spirit, listening and obeying His promptings, we will begin and continue on and persevere and finish with strength the things of God. The lost will be saved. The brokenhearted will be comforted. The bondage of sin will be broken over people's lives. Relationships will be restored. And God Almighty will get all the glory. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You continue to convict us to live this life for You. God, forgive us for thinking that we can do more on our own. We pray that You would speak truth into our lives. Help us to move our words into action. And God, right now as we take this time as we reflect in song and worship, we pray that You would continue to speak to our hearts. Come into us. Invade our thoughts. Convict us without shame or guilt that we can give You a gift that's worthy of what You've done for us. We ask You to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. As I continue, as we continue with this with this song of reflection, ask that the Holy Spirit continue to move in your hearts. And if He's brought something to you, because He brings it to all of us, just let it go. Thank God and let it go and confess that so God can empower you into action for Him. Come, Almighty Father, come. Come, Almighty Father, come. 
We long to see your face and touch your saving grace. Come, Almighty Father, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You reign supreme with love that redeems. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Revive us, make us alive in your love. Bring us home. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on us that we may be like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Revive us. Make us alive in your love. Bring us home. Come, Almighty Father, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, come. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now to move on our hearts, to come into our lives, to bring us truth, Lord God, so that we can be freed from our bondage. Lord God, right now we come to you in our call to confession that we do here as a church weekly. We ask you to convict us in our hearts of things that we have done that have gotten in the way of our relationship with you. We're going to take a moment, God, right now that I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, bring things to our minds so that we can lay them at your feet. Let's take a moment right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise that we have in your word that if we confess our sins to you, that you are faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for that promise that we continue to stand on your word. Now renew us and refresh us and send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit to be light to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you please stand with us? God has given us his word that holds us together. And what we do at this church to hold us together, to remind us of this prayer as we would pray the, our Lord's Prayer together. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.